0: You're listening to All About Skills, where we discuss the eight critical skills you need to succeed and how CEOs, placement directors, executive recruiters, and career-minded individuals utilize them to propel themselves to a higher level of understanding and achievement. Get ready to learn, master, and excel with your host, Charlie Jett.
1: Thank you very much, Ann, and welcome to All About Skills. This is a weekly series of programs about the skills that you, your children, and your grandchildren urgently need to function effectively in our constitutional republic and to ensure its survival. These skills will also go far to help you get ahead in your career. My name is Charlie Jett, and I'm coming to you from our studio high above the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in beautiful downtown Chicago. Now in the first nine episodes of this series, we talked about where the critical skills came from, how they were derived, and why they are important, and what they are. Last week, we examined examined the critical skills from the perspective of the teacher. And today, we're going to cover the critical skills from the perspective of the student, the one who has to learn them. So let's get started. Now, when I deal directly with students about the critical skills, One of the things that I hear frequently is that these things are rather obvious and simple. Now there's truth to this. Generally, when one sits down with a group and forms a consensus about the kinds of skills that are important, what they come up with will be pretty close to these, although they will often list some skills that are subsets of the eight critical skills. But here's something to consider. These skills are learned and they're not really easy to learn. Let me give you an example. One of the best, if not the best, MBA programs in the country is the Harvard Business School. The fundamental curriculum for the school is to teach the critical skills through relentless practice of discussing case studies three times a day in classroom settings of about 70 to 80 students, all of whom are very smart. Now they do this for two full years, three cases per day. The opportunity to undergo this rigor doesn't come cheap either. In fact, for the top MBA schools in this country, in this year, 2018, the average cost of a two-year MBA experience is about $160,000. That's a pretty heavy investment that each student makes for the opportunity to learn and to practice the critical skills. But the cost seems to be worth it. Those that rise to the top of the class are pursued by the major management consulting and investment banking firms, which these days pay starting salaries in the neighborhood of $120,000 a year. Now that's a lot of money. And here's the proof that these firms value the critical skills. For the first year or so of a new employee's experience, The focus of training is on the critical skills. How to identify issues important to an engagement. How to determine what information is needed to address the issues. How to use technology to collect that information. And how to verify that information is accurate. How to analyze the information and develop findings, conclusions, and recommendations. How to write a report that is clear and compelling and how to present the report orally to the client. Now, if these skills were actually simple, then there would be no need for careful screening of the new employees at these schools, nor would there be a need to spend an enormous amount of time and money teaching these skills to new employees. And there wouldn't be any need for an individual to spend $150,000 in two years of his or her experience learning them. So the answer to the observation that the skills are rather obvious and simple is this. Yes, they may be rather obvious, but no, they're not simple to learn. They're hard to learn and particularly difficult to master. Now, students are probably the most important audience at whom this podcast series is aimed. You are the ones who need to learn and master the critical skills. These will be necessary for you to function and grow in a 21st century environment. The time to start learning and mastering them is now. Now the intent of this particular program and episode is to present not only how you will be able to learn and practice the skills while in school, but also to help guide you in the college selection process as well as what you should do while you're in college. Now let's start with high school. The high school environment is generally highly structured where there are specific times for each class. Students don't have to decide where they should be at a particular time in the traditional academic classes, but students do have a bit of freedom in choosing a few courses as well as choosing to participate or not to participate in a variety of extracurricular activities such as music and sports. Now you can practice all of the critical skills in the traditional academic classroom setting as well as in extracurricular activities. Now remember that in each of these settings you're going to practice these specific critical skills. Communication, production, information, analysis, interpersonal, technology, time management. You can wait until later to practice the continuous education skill. Now in the classroom one would expect that the academic classroom in high school would be a safe place. Safe in terms of being able to ask questions, answer questions, voice your opinion and so forth. Don't be shy and afraid that you will get something wrong and be embarrassed. Quite frankly, the classroom is the place to make these sorts of mistakes. Don't wait until you are in a high-stakes job and your career depends on what you do in a meeting. Get the practice now and make your mistakes when the stakes are not so high. The first skill communications. Now the key is to participate in class. Don't just sit back and listen all the time. Get involved. Ask questions. Participate in the discussion. Practice your writing skills. Take time in writing a report. Practice using complete sentences. Take notes. And by the way here's a major tip that will help you throughout all your schooling, high school and college. At the end of every class, take a few minutes and write down in your notebook the three or four things that you learned in that class. You don't need to write complete sentences, and you don't need to write an essay. Just a paragraph or two will suffice. And in your summary, you don't even need to be articulate or spell things correctly. Just get the ideas down. Make sure you put the date of the class. Developing a habit and discipline for doing this will help you review for examinations, and it will also increase your chances of getting better grades, not only in high school, but in college and beyond. The production skill. Look at every assignment as a project you need to complete. At the beginning when the project is assigned, treat it as an idea, then work your way to its completion. Understand the process you are undertaking when doing this and make it a habit. It will serve you very well. Participate in activities with your class and such things as serving on committees for the yearbook, the school paper, a decorating committee, creating a float for the homecoming parade or other such activities. Again, when you do this, treat the project as a production process from the idea phase through its completion. Make that a habit. Information. You'll be dealing with information in high school all the time. You will obviously be given a textbook or some other such material as a source for your academic subject. Read it. Try to understand what is being communicated. Take notes when you study. Write down your questions about things you don't understand. Make summarizing your notes after a class a habit as well. Write down the things that you learned. The dividends will be worth all the time you spend. The Analysis Skill Understand what P implies Q means. Listen to the analysis episode of this podcast series. Listen to it again. Understand that it is important that you use valid and true information before you do your analysis, before you develop any findings or conclusions. If you do this, Your chances of having true and valid conclusions and recommendations are good. If you don't do this, you'll be just jumping to conclusions. Technology. In the classroom, you most likely will not have a choice about what sort of technology to use. However, try to understand what technology is being used and why it is being used. At the very least, look around and see what technology surrounds you, not only to provide yourself with a comfortable learning environment, but that technology is used to support the learning process. Think of ways that technology could be used to improve that process. The interpersonal skill. Classroom settings generally offer opportunities to develop the interpersonal and teamwork skills, obviously in group projects. The skill itself involves your being recognized as a valued member of a team and that applies to being a valued member of the class as well. So even if you are not on any sort of team project, your constructive participation in class every day will communicate to others that your presence is valued and that is the goal you want to achieve. Time management. Now the academic classroom doesn't offer you much control over your time. However, you do have the ability to budget your time when it comes to balancing the needs of after-school activities, your social life, and your homework. You have to set the priorities yourself and get the most important things done well. This means sometimes sacrificing social time for studying. Get used to this sort of thing. The need to set priorities and achieve a balance in your life will increase both in college and later on in your life. Time management is a skill to get good at now. Now we come to course selection. The bulk of the high school curriculum has already been chosen for you, but depending on the school that you go to, you may have choices available. I remember in my own high school days when I had choices to make, and one of the most important of those choices at the time was to take a year of typing. Yes, typing. Back then, the typing class was generally reserved for females who were thinking about becoming secretaries. Those were the old days. A local lawyer in town, who was also my Sunday school teacher, suggested I take typing because I would need to write and submit many reports in college on an old manual typewriter. That's the main reason I took the course, and it was one of the most valuable courses that I ever took. Little did I foresee, that the personal computer would come along and emerge many years later. And in retrospect, I like to think that I had the wisdom to prepare in advance for the PC and for the Mac. Now, there are two other courses that are valuable for the development of your critical skills. And these might, might be extracurricular activities in some schools, and those courses are speech and debate. Now Each course or activity gives you an opportunity to practice oral communications and debate is particularly helpful in the development of the information and analytical skills. Not only do you have to make your arguments orally, you have to think on your feet. Remember that the communication skill is number one and the information and analytical skills are nearly as important. So take advantage of the opportunity to get involved in speech and debate. Each will serve you very, very well. Now we come to extracurricular activities. Most ex- extracurricular activities in high school offer excellent opportunities to practice your interpersonal and teamwork skills, as well as production skills. The performing arts give terrific opportunities to practice communication and production, production skills. Team sports often offer wonderful interpersonal and teamwork skills, as well as production. For example, Beats South High School, that sort of thing. Now work-based learning. Work-based learning programs have suffered under the stigma of being vocational training. This is a terribly inaccurate view of an important opportunity to gain some real-world experience. In some high schools, such work-based learning programs are considered not to be for the college-bound student. Again, this is inaccurate and stupid because a quality work-based or service-learning experience can give students excellent opportunities to practice many of the critical skills in a real-world environment, especially for the college graduate. In the early 1990s, the federal government passed the School to Work Opportunities Act of 1994 which was intended to provide seed money for high schools to create meaningful work-based learning experiences for all students, as well as to integrate some of the critical skills into the academic classroom. At one high school, a team of five juniors and one senior, all female, embarked on a field study to find out if businesses and other organizations in their community would be interested in an unpaid internship program and partnership with the local high school. The caveat, was that jobs in these organizations would be created, jobs that could be done by the students after school, and jobs that contained projects and tasks that could be shown and demonstrated to be connected to the critical skills. The students completed the project and actually set up the program, which over the next 20 years gave hundreds of students, all college-bound and non-college-bound as well, an opportunity to gain these experiences. Now, any could, any school could do what these young women did, and it cost the school district absolutely nothing. The project they conducted is detailed in depth and could serve as a blueprint for any adventurous team of students who might want to give it a try, and it's free, and you can go to the website where about field studies, it was actually a field study, and just go to fieldstudiesblog.com that's fieldstudiesblog.com and you can get a whole detailed uh, report and uh, set of directions on how to conduct field studies including this one. Now we come to choosing a college. Choosing a college can be a highly emotional adventure for high school students. My own personal belief is that the college experience ought to be approximately 40% academic and about 60% social and skill building, maybe even more. Many will disagree with this, but the college opportunity gives a student the chance to assimilate into a new community, to learn the solid academics, and to participate with others in a wide variety of experiences such as intramural activities, sports, fraternities, sororities, and that sort of thing. I, I am not suggesting that an individual should go to college for purely, purely social reasons. Rather, than I am suggesting that there is a much more uh, to the college experience than just academic learning, such as making lifelong friends. College isn't about studying all the time. Now, in choosing a college, my advice to you is as follows. First, pay no attention to how high a college or university might be ranked, by some magazine. Secondly, have your own set of criteria that you will use to select the college. Make sure that these criteria are yours, your own, and not those that someone else has told you to use. Make sure you visit the college and see for yourself if you would like to spend four years of your life in that environment. And when the letters of acceptance come pouring in, evaluate each of the colleges and universities against your pre-prepared criteria, and then put all those criteria away. Make your decision from the heart, not from the brain. The best college for you is the one that feels right for you, not the one that you think you should attend because it is highly rated in some area or simply has good athletic teams. Trust your heart. If you attend the college that you love, you will have an excellent experience. Selecting a major in college can be a decision that is taken far too seriously. There really isn't much of a correlation between what might be your major and what you will eventually be doing for the rest of your life. So don't be afraid to major in a subject that you really love. And I emphasize love. You will get better grades and you will have a better experience in college. Remember that if you want to, you can still become a physician if you go to college and major in history. It might take you longer, but you can do it. The same is true for virtually any other career, so don't take it too seriously and trust your heart. You will be rewarded. Finally, the first job after college. Now, long ago when one entered a job in an organization, he or she would likely stay there for the rest of his or her career. And that's no longer true. In fact, the chances that you will stay for your entire career in an organization where you take your first job are virtually nil. So the best advice I can give is this. One, find an organization that is known for doing things well. You don't want to learn how to do things not well. Don't worry about starting salaries, that's number two. Starting salaries can as, serve as a temporary anesthetic for a job that isn't much fun and offers little in the way of learning experiences. And third, when you find the, the organization where they do things well, and I emphasize do things well, take any job that is offered to you. Join the company or organization and do the best job you can in whatever you are assigned to do but then concentrate on learning and developing your critical skills. So in summary, the challenges that you face as a student are not insurmountable and and not at all. In fact, they present a wonderful opportunity for you to control your own development in preparation for pursuing the rest of your life. So just get out there and meet these challenges gladly. You will profit from the experience. Well, That does it for the critical skills from the perspective of the student. Now in episode number 11, next week, we'll talk about the critical skills from the perspective of a business. In the meantime, give some thoughts to these critical skills. Again, they are communications, production, information, analysis, technology, interpersonal, time management, and continuous education. So until we meet again, my name is Charlie Jett, and I thank you all for joining me as we continue on our journey that is all about skills.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of All About Skills. To learn more information about the critical skills, be sure to visit allaboutskills.com for access to resources like blogs, field studies, published books, and more about how to learn, how to use, and how to teach this important content. That's exclusively available on itsallaboutskills.com. We look forward to having you join us on the next episode so we can continue to help you learn, master, and excel by using critical skills right here on All About Skills.